Batman and Sergeant Rock. Welcome to FW Team Up, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Siskoid. And I'm Jared Ulrich, the yard sale artist. Taking you through a classic superhero team up, Batman and Sergeant Rock. From The Brave and the Bold, number 84, cover dated June, July, 1969. And Jared, if I... I wanted to do this one with you. It's that today, the day this is dropping, I don't know when people are listening, but the day it is dropping is Memorial Day. And Sergeant Rock is a soldier, and I know you are a veteran. You want to talk a bit about that? Oh, sure, sure. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you uh, doing a special episode for Memorial Day near and dear to uh, my heart. But yes, I spent uh, eight years as a communications in the United States Air Force with one combat tour to Iraq. So... Yeah, I'm a big supporter of the military and Memorial Day, and uh, I appreciate you doing this, and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, because Memorial Day isn't celebrated here in Canada. We do what you call Veterans Day, I, I guess, uh, Remembrance Day, mm-hmm. Yep, which is uh, in the fall, because our big war was World War One. That's mm. the big one for Canada. Memorial Day more encompasses a looking back at all wars and all veterans. Uh, but it is a little bit murky because we have Memorial Day and we have Veterans Day in November. But yeah, Memorial Day is pretty much for all veterans or, or for all whole military members. And Veterans Day is uh, is for all veterans as well. So it's kind of like we get a two for one <laughs> or a one for two. However that works. We get two holidays, man. That's where I'm going with this. <laughs> so thank you for your service and the, the, you know the, the people that went before us. And two days isn't too much to ask for. <laughs> I, I agree. Yes. And. And definitely was an honor to serve, and I know we'll talk a bit more about the Longbox Crusade Network where I come from there, but of course we have Delvin the Dark Web Williams who served, as well as my brother Jason. So we're a veteran shock network over there. Yeah, and then there's Pat Sampson that, um, you know. That's all we got to say. <laughs> Pat ran off to Canada during the Vietnam War. It's not true. Pat, actually, Pat comes from a military family. His father was a Marine. There you go. Well, in each episode of FW Team Up, one panelist will pick one character to defend. Uh, so in this case, Jerry. Who's your guy? Because you don't have to take Sergeant Rock. (laughs) I don't have to, but I'm going to. Uh, As I told you, dirty little secret, Batman is probably my favorite character of all time. But when you pitched me this episode, I was like, I'll totally do Sergeant Rock. It's a Memorial Day episode. I got to take up for my military brother. So I'm all about some Sergeant Rock on this FW team up. All right. Well, I'll take Batman, even though I have to take Batman every damn time. (laughs) As is customary, we do preface with a reason or reasons why we like... Uh, usually the character we've taken, but, uh, I, you know, like I said, I've been doing Batman for a while. So from now on, whenever we get to Batman and Spider-Man and Superman, who are always on the show, instead of having someone have to talk about them again, I think it's always going to be about why we like the guest star. So, Jared, what's one thing you like about Sergeant Rock? Well, to be honest with you, I've only recently gotten into war comics, probably within the last year or two. Pretty much thanks to a Twitter friend of mine named Kirk Spencer. Uh, but I like Sergeant Rock mainly because from what I've seen through this, I've read a pretty good amount by now. But he's a leader who takes the the safety of his troops and makes that a priority. Mm-hmm. And, of course, troops have to take mission risks, but he never asks them to do anything that he wouldn't do or hasn't already done. Um, so I love that leadership. I love that military leadership. That's some of the stuff that I try to bring into my military career. And I'm also a big fan of low-power heroes, or in this case, a no-power hero. He's just a soldier, a little more battle-hardened than most, but you know, he's just a man, not unlike uh, the Dark Knight. Yeah, although <laughs> the Dark Knight's a bit extreme. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, Sergeant Rock, the, the stories feel true to life. Well, they do feel, the stories, of course, feel um, fantastical overall, but the characterization feels true to life. Mm. Uh, so the, 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 the way Sergeant Rock uh, acts and the way he cares about his troops, uh, that's very, very real. So that part, definitely. For me, I'm going to say one thing I like with Sergeant Rock is, well, Joe Kubert is one of my favorite, is not one of my favorite, is my favorite comics artist of all time. Uh, and when you read a Sergeant Rock story, you're more than likely to get Joe Kubert art uh, mm-hmm. on the cover, if not the interiors. And there's, there's even, this isn't a Joe Kubert comic that we're going to cover today. And yet there is a Joe Kubert <laughs> page. We'll talk about that. I just, that just makes me inherently happy. Otherwise, I haven't read that many Easy Company stories, uh, not as many as I would like. I did buy the uh, Showcase Presents and I'm part way through it. So I had, I wish I had a better answer. Mm-hmm. But uh, liking the art on something, I like war comics in general, especially when they're kind of Looney Tunes a little bit. Yeah, you know, like yep, same here. Haunted Tank, Creature Commandos, that kind of stuff where they sort of blend uh, genres. And Sergeant Rock is the most grounded of them all, mm-hmm. sort of thing. So uh, for a, for a long while, I seem to avoid those comics, as, you know, especially as a teenager. So I'm really getting more into it now. And I guess this story is a little fantastical because Batman's in it. Still, I think Sergeant Rock is the the grounded character in this. Right, right. Um, I do want to ask you a little something about Joe Kubert, since you are a big fan. Uh, are you aware of the manuals that he did for the military? I'm aware that he uh, he worked on projects like that. I've not seen them. Yeah, there's a publication called Preventative Maintenance Monthly, and it's all about maintenance for various parts of military equipment. Anything from your helmet and how to take care of your helmet and your helmet strap and the, and the cover and all that, all the way to how to do a, a servicing on a tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's all about preventative maintenance on all military equipment. And he drew hundreds of these things. And they're all in sort of comic book format because soldiers love comics. It's an easy way to read and learn what to do. It's much easier than reading a technical manual. And there's bunches of them. So I like to put guys uh, who are Joe Kubert guys onto that sort of subculture. These are things that you can find at military surplus stores, maybe start seeking out on eBay. And you can get a lot more Joe Kubert art into your life uh, in comic book form, which is interesting, but in, in a pamphlet that was used uh, by the military. I think that a lot of uh, – I, I recently did a, an episode of Panel by Panel mm-hmm. with uh, Rob Kelly. And it was a picture of a plane, not by Joe Kubert or anything, but a lot of these war comics artists or people known for war comics – really had the technical specs down. The, the the quality of their illustrations were very technical when it came to tanks and planes and equipment mm-hmm. and guns. So it feels very, very, very uh, real. And I'm not surprised that mm-hmm. Joe Kubert did that kind of work. It's on the page. You can see it on the page. <laughs> so um, you're telling me that these are s- somewhat available? They are. They are. Yeah, I'll be looking for them. Yeah, next time you pop into like Army Surplus Store or something like that, and you maybe ask about preventative maintenance monthly. Yeah, I work in uh, my day job in a military maintenance organization. So I was getting them on the regular for the last few years because they were still making them. <laughs> and they're still printing those same comics in there. And some of them were getting reprinted yeah. and things like that. Up until about eh, ballparking here three, four years ago, they stopped physically printing them, and now they're all 
you know, tablet based because we're in the future now. Right. But the <laughs> but they did a ton of them in print. Wow. Well, I didn't know that. So um, maybe uh, if I can find some, that would be a future episode of FW Presents or something. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the other guys would be interested too. Because I don't know if you know, but our friend Rob Kelly actually went to the Joe Kubert School, right? <laughs> I heard this rumor. Yeah, he may have mentioned it on a show or. 20. (laughs) Uh, We love you, Rob. Yes, we do. Let's talk about the publication history of Sergeant Rock, because Batman needs no introduction, I think. Uh, (laughs) But what about Sergeant Rock, Jared? You want to do the honors? Sure. Since you made me do the homework, I will tell you what I came up with. Sergeant Rock first appeared in Detective Comics number 27. Oh, wait, that's Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Try that again. Apparently, his first appearance, his first official appearance was in Our Army at War, number 83, which was the June 1959 issue of Our Army at War. Created to no one's surprise by Robert Kaniger and Joe M. Effing Kubert. <laughs> I'm pretty sure M. Effing was his middle name. He was preceded. Now, that's his first official appearance. But there was a character called The Rock, which came out in issue number 68 of G.I. Combat, which was January of 59. So just a few months before we get the official appearance. And then there was another character called Sergeant Rocky, who came out in Our Army at War number 81, which is two issues before the official appearance. And then the name Sergeant Rock was first used in Our Army at War number 82, but they didn't give the full treatment with the name and the design and all that until number 83, as I earlier mentioned. His popularity grew so much that they changed the name of the comic from Our Army at War to Sergeant Rock in 1977. And it lasted an additional 11 years getting printed all the way into 1988 and hitting issue number 422. They also did some additional reprints from 1988 to 1991. And as mentioned on the Digest cast on your very network here, he has been featured in several Digests. So this character has had some legs, has a lot of recognition, especially in the 70s and 80s. So that's a quick publication history for you, Ciscoid. And uh, if people get the Showcase Presents that I was talking about, it does have those The Rock and Sergeant Rocky strips mm. in there as well. So you get the complete, if you want to, you know, the prototypical Sergeant Rock. And did you know, I was actually pretty outraged about this uh, back in the day, but uh, in the early 90s, about the same time they were talking about doing a, uh, like the James Cameron Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also, in pre-production, a Sergeant Rock movie. I did not know that, but I'm intensely interested. It would have starred, and this is why I call it an outrage, it would have starred Arnold Schwarzenegger. That, so, that's uh, a tough one to pull off with that accent, I'm going to be honest with you. Apparently, and this is what I remember from the article that I read in the magazine at the time, and that it never left me, this information, was that he was going to be half Austrian, like have a, an Austrian parent. Okay, I could go for that. So it would have given him a stake in the European theater. Yes. Culturally, and uh, would have explained away his accent. So mm-hmm. Sergeant Rock would have been this uh, World War II commando, mm-hmm. basically. I love it. I'm all in. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you could have used it on one of your shows. Uh, <laughs> if you'd rolled up 1991, let's say, when it would come out. It never did, of course. It was never made. Oh, well. Now I kind of want to see it. <laughs> You just have to imagine it now. That's all all there is for us. All right, let's get into this comic. It is a little zany uh, because it was written by Bob Haney. So here it is, our synopsis of The Angel, The Rock, and The Cow by writer Bob Haney and artist Neil Adams. I've heard of him.
This is one story Batman tells himself. One night at Gotham Museum, frequent donor Bruce Wayne is called by the curator because he got a call from someone claiming ownership of a clock statue called the Archangel Gabriel, smuggled out of Nazi-occupied France during World War II. Only the voice had a German accent, and the man is coming to pick it up this night. As Bruce reveals the statue is a fake, a man with a monocle and a luger knocks the curator out with a pistol whip. Bruce recognizes him as Von Stauffen, but how does he know? They say a man's life flashes before his eyes when he's about to die. For Batman, the Flash is a single, untold chapter of his life, taking him back to London during the Blitz. As Batman, he's working for Uncle Sam tracking down war saboteurs, using Bruce Wayne as a cover identity. During an air raid, he meets an old-school chum who dies in an explosion, telling him about his important mission before he breathes his last. Something about the wine at Chateau Rouge. The next day, Bruce reports to Winston Churchill himself and volunteers to finish his friend Digby's mission. On the eve of D-Day... Racing to the airfield on his motorcycle, a tuxedo-wearing Bruce gets there as the plane leaves. He motors close and... I'll take it from here. All my segments will be done in my Sergeant Rock voice, told by Sergeant Rock. I helped a dude onto our plane from France. Literally as we were rolling down the runway. Pretty sure that dude was James Bond, except James Bond usually has a watch and isn't late as hell for takeoff times. Sure, the character James Bond hasn't been admitted yet, but obviously continuity timelines are fast and loose around these parts. Anyway, this guy, it's got to be some kind of super spy, so I introduced him to Easy Company. I called him Fancy Dan. I'm pretty hilarious. Bruce tells him his name is Jack Pimpernel, hoping the sergeant never read the Scarlet Pimpernel, and it seems like he didn't. Off to Chateau Rouge with this unit, then. Of course I read the Scarlet Pimpernel. What do you think, we got Wi-Fi and Netflix out here? All we do is read in our quiet time. But I don't let on to a super crafty 007 here. I just give him my standard try not to get me and my boys killed routine. As the group prepares to parachute into France, Bruce opens the plane door to find a German plane firing at them. Thinking quickly, he grabs a grenade from the rock's gear and throws it at the fighter plane's cockpit, and it explodes. They jump into Chateau Rouge under cover of night, but Bruce gets his chute stuck in the wings of the clock statue in the center of town. After Easy Company has taken him down, they part company, and he heads for the castle held by one Colonel von Stauffen. As wine merchant Pierre Leduc, Bruce introduces himself into the chateau. There is something odd about the wine there, because von Stauffen is ready to sell some, but not those bottles. To create a diversion, Bruce flings a batarang out the window and knocks out a sentry. The alert is soon given. While von Stauffen and his men investigate, Bruce heads to the cellar and finds the odd bottle of Chateau Rouge Supreme. It is filled with nerve gas, as is the entire vintage. Two soldiers come to search the cellar, by which time Bruce has changed into his Batman uniform, and distracting them with laughter, he jumps them and makes short work of the two men. As Pierre Leduc, he acts like he was hiding, afraid of gunfire, and he's thrown out of the chateau, overhearing Van Stauffen ordering Operation Barbarian before he leaves. When he gets to Easy's position... So Roger Moore over here shows up while we're doing what we do, selling explosives. And surprise, surprise, seconds later the Germans are crawling all around us. Pretty sure Stealth Boy over here let him right to us. So we go about the business of laying low and hoping our charges go unnoticed. Thanks a bunch, Connery. Bruce heads off to lead the Germans away from Easy Company. 
as Batman. He kicks a motorcycle duo out of their seats and heads to the trees as they fire on him. Racing across village rooftops, he sees hostages about to be executed in the town square. Using the statue of Gabriel for cover, he throws a batarang to disarm the firing squad in one fell sweep. Then he falls on them with righteous fists, and he learns from the freed resistance members that Von Stauffen has basically robbed the town of all its riches. Five bucks and a pack of cigarettes says Bulldozer and Wildman are off doing something stupid. If I had to guess, probably stealing some very specific bottles of wine for strictly plot device reasons, and getting discovered while they're at it. Hard to say who's pissing me off more right now, George Lazenby or Laurel and Hardy. Racing back to the chateau in time to see Wildman and Bulldozer in a firefight with the Nazis... Batman opens the sluice gate of the moat, so the current takes them away. Incensed by the escape, Von Stauffen orders that Operation Barbarian begin immediately. Batman infiltrates the castle to get rid of the bottles, but finds two are missing. Must be those two chuckleheads. So I guess I gotta go find Bulldozer and Wildman, but at least I don't have to worry about them mistaking nerve gas for wine or anything. I guess if they were that stupid, someone might swoop in and snag a bottle just in the nick of time. It was Batman swinging from his feet who caught the bottles at the last minute, unseen. Yeah, Bulldozer and Wildman are about as dumb as I thought. I literally bonked their heads together like two coconut stooges style just in time for us to slip quickly back into the night with our mission completed. No, I'm kidding. A gosh damn enemy tank rolls up right on us. Because why not, right? Yep, I've had enough. We're squaring up against this tank. Luckily, we catch a break and someone drops some smoke bombs for cover. If I had to guess, it's probably 007. Feeling bad about screwing up my op. Unbeknownst to anyone, Batman, responsible for those smoke bombs, yes, is hiding under Von Stauffen's tank. Returning once more to the chateau, Batman sees the Nazis loading the nerve gas into carts full of hay. Destination? Allied forces. He can't possibly take all those men by himself. Alright, get this. This Pierce Brosnan-looking jackass wants to counterman my orders and have me blow up the bridge early and kill some farmers moving hay on the bridge. Seriously, this guy could piss up a rope. Seeing as The Rock won't budge, Bruce hits him with what Jackie Johnson calls a beautiful left and jumps on the detonator plunger. So this sucker-punching little weasel who hits like my sister blew up the bridge. But it turns out he was right about the hay being a cover for some dangerous gas. He did a good job, so I punched him right in his Timothy Dalton face. Mainly because I feel like he needs to know what a real punch looks like. He took it surprisingly well, and we left his friends. And he even saved me from a cannon that fell from the sky on a parachute. I mean, what the hell are the odds on that? And now, back in the present, Bruce Wayne asks Von Stauffen what he's doing in Gotham. The Nazi answer is that he wants his golden angel so he can live like a king in South America. Of course, the real one would have been missed in Chateau Rouge, but a fake made from the town's gold could have been smuggled to America. Surprise, suckers. I show up at the museum to save 007 again. I kick Von Stauffen's ass again. I actually saw this in his Nazi put on my flight from Europe and I tailed him. Convenient, huh? So I saved the day again. It occurs to me that my old buddy James Bond looks a lot like famous billionaire Bruce Wayne, so I'm guessing he's probably Batman. And so Batman can finally stamp this case closed. Probably important to note that Sergeant Rock actually didn't figure out that Bruce Wayne was Batman, but I put that in just for fun. Yeah, well, a lot of fun. <laughs> you had a lot of fun with this. And I do ask my guests that, you know, they can do it however they want. I almost, you know, oh, sh- crap, should I do Batman's voice? <laughs> Your Batman voice probably sounds a lot like my Sergeant Rock voice, so it's probably for the best. <laughs> and he's got a French-Canadian accent. 
so that man can stamp his shirt. And, you know, no, I, <laughs> that uh, was not bad. That, that was not bad. Yeah, I was just doing the uh, the Batman Begins Batman. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting that the, the comic is told in the voice of Bruce Wayne, a rare, you know, Batman telling the story. And mm-hmm. he has to because or else we won't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> we flipped it for this synopsis. I like that. And uh, you do a great Sergeant Rock. I probably cut out my laughs. Uh, you know, by the time people hear this, I've cut out the, the bits where I just couldn't hold it in. But, but I was breaking up all the way through. So uh, loved it. But yeah, this is crazy. Batman, yes. you know, Batman in world in World War Two, and there's no no time travel, no this this is a fantasy, no this is a, the Earth Two Batman. You know, this is a Golden Age Batman. It's Batman in the '60s, concurrent Batman. It just so happens that you know uh, he was a young man during World War Two, so he could have <laughs> met. I mean, it's the end. You know, it's the end of the it's D Day. Mm-hmm, uh, he's yeah. just out of college. Sure. Uh, that's that's what's inferred. <laughs> And, uh, well, if you look at the art, young Bruce Wayne in the flashback, mm-hmm. young Bruce Wayne has a thinner face than mm. the older Batman. That's how you could tell. <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> slimmer, thinner, <laughs> younger. What did you think of this story? Well, I made some notes because you told me to. And my notes, <laughs> my first note is along those lines. I, I, I wrote, uh, what? Pretty sure Haney just left a James Bond movie. Although that's not quite possible in July of 69, which I think is when this book came out. Because... Honor Majesty's Secret Service came out in December of 69, so You Only Live Twice came out in, like, 67. So he's between Bonds at this point, but maybe he's just got Bond on his mind, man. No, maybe he's reading some Ian Fleming. That must be it. I don't know. He, he definitely had some James Bond on his mind. Obviously, the art is great. We got Neil Adams, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good-looking book. Now, he, did Neil did the interiors as well. That's what I learned earlier in the episode, correct? Neil Adams did the whole thing. The whole thing, okay. Cause I, I, Except I, the inking on one page. Okay, okay. Because I read it digitally using that new DC app, which was mm. super handy. It didn't have the credits in there, or at least somehow I couldn't spot them. I looked for them. No, they're not there. But it was on the cover. So I was like, oh, it's a Neil Adams cover. I didn't realize that was him on the interiors as well, but that would explain why it looks really good. Yeah, he was one of the major Brave and the Bold artists. Okay, Brave and the Bold is a real blind spot for me, so... This is probably for me too. It it was never in stores for me, uh, so I I'm basically reading them, finding them again. Showcase presents digital, but I could never find them on the stands. And it obviously would have been these issues in the six. I was all of minus two when this came out. <laughs> oh, you just graduated college, remember? That's how this works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I this is probably maybe my second or maybe third Brave and the Bold that I've just kind of stumbled across here and there. What's the Superman version of that? DC Presents? DC Comics Presents. DC Comics Presents. Now, those I've read a handful of. Yeah, they're much later, too. They You know, they started almost in the 80s. Yeah, I was going to say, I felt like there was more of an early 80s vibe there. But regardless, the art is fantastic. My only thing that, well, I was about to say the only thing that had me scratching my head, let's just ignore the obvious, <laughs> the whole how this fits in the timeline thing from the military point of view is when Sergeant Rock decided to square up with his, he's like, come on guys, we're going to square up against this tank. And I'm like, you're just pretty much leading your men into certain death at that point. That is a terrible battlefield strategy, but we'll let that slide. But uh, other than that, uh, what are are your big takeaways on this one, my friend? Well, I love it too. I love Bob Haney and uh, I don't care that it is sort of wonky continuity because Bob Haney is known for this. In fact, the first complete rundown of the DC multiverse I ever read was an essay in Basically, it's supposed to be, well, it was an Eclipse comic, but ICG's official Crisis on Infinite Earth Index, which I picked up in a comic book store long, long ago. Uh, it included all the Earths we already knew about, plus a few curious others 
Uh, one of these was Earth B, or what I call the Haneyverse, Earth Brave and the Bold, I guess, uh, where uh, stories defied continuity just because Bob Haney needed characters to, to meet. So you had like <laughs> Black Canary was Bruce Wayne's secretary, and I mean, anything could, 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 could go. And he said, well, well how, where does this fit? What week was Black Canary employed <laughs> at Wayne Enterprises? So I think this is part of that. This is certainly one of these uh, <laughs> moments. Yes, uh, and And it specifically mentioned the Batman-Sergeant Rock team-up taking place on Earth B. Because uh, according to the comic, you know, Batman or the comic, the index, Batman couldn't possibly have been active in World War II. Except that this was written in 1969, so it takes place on the eve of D-Day, so 1944. That would only be, what, 25 years away? So if Batman is a very mature 45, according to Haney, why couldn't he have been active at age 20? I suppose. You know, uh, working against fifth columnists or stretching it a bit, but May Haney might be just within his rights. <laughs> to believe that the Golden Age Batman is the same person as the Silver Age Batman. We're brushing up against some serious Haney borders right now. <laughs> right. Well, there's no yellow oval. It's really like early career Batman when we mm -hmm. see him in, in World War II. So acceptable. But of course, once you're in the 80s, once you're looking at crisis, you know, once you're in the mid 80s, that story cannot possibly be in continuity because Batman is active in the 80s, which would make him uh, <laughs> 60 years old or something. So... There's also, if I may, Batman mentions Zero Hour at one point, which, of course, he means D-Day. Mm -hmm. But uh, make your own Zero Hour joke. <laughs> Maybe it just makes this possible. It happens while Zero Hour is happening and continuity and history is in flux. So I'm saying <laughs> it's possible. So the page, Neil Adams didn't ink one page. Mm -hmm. uh, that page is inked by Joe Kubert. It shows. I think the letters page in number 87 confirms it. it just apparently a deadline problem. And Joe Kubert pitched in to to save uh, Neil Adams, I don't know, an hour uh, of work <laughs> or something. But uh, you can tell. And it's fun because it's that, that moment that becomes really suddenly we're in a Sergeant Rock comic. Right, right. And now the only question I have for you is, I, you know, I, we're, we've got shared notes for this. And in the notes it says, squee. Do you want to squee at this time or are you going to not? <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> is, that, is that the squeak? <laughs> yeah. Well, when you see it, you go, oh, um, <laughs> Joe Kubert. There it yeah. is. He only inked it. So, I, I mean, but it's still his, you know, his style is so strong that uh, he turns Neil Adams into himself. <laughs> That's saying something because Neil Adams is pretty, a pretty strong artist as well, right? Very. What did you think of the, uh, the mix here? Because, you know, Batman gets a lot of action and Sergeant Rock is maybe kind of the, in the background. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Did, did that disturb you, or, or because you're a Batman fan? I know. Again, I don't have enough experience with Brave and the Bold. I just kind of thought, well, maybe they're all told like that, or so. I, I guess nothing really bugged me about it. Although it was a World War II era comic that leaned, like you said, more heavily in the Bat side of things. You would have thought it might have been more Sergeant Rockish, but. If this is traditionally a Batman Plus book, which I believe that's the hook of Brave and the Bold, then eh, it makes sense. I guess. I did have a note about the, the French in this. Yes. I always have notes <laughs> about the French. I was going to ask you, and then I saw you already had a note on it. So <laughs> mm. There isn't a whole lot of French language being used. Uh, I mean, it's Batman. He probably speaks French. The Resistance members are probably not speaking English at him. They're probably speaking French at him, and it's all translated in our, you know, for our convenience. But uh, at one point, one person calls him Bat-um. Um, 
Batom. That's how I Batom, read it. Batom. Batom. <laughs> which is terrible. <laughs> Translate. I mean, um, of course, is man. So the person does not translate bat, bat. which is chauve-souris, which is a bit long. Uh, they would tr- literally translate as bald mouse. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a chauve-souris. But yeah, so in French, usually it's still called Batman. That's, that's how they go for it. And whenever I've seen it actually translated, they might call him la chauve-souris or something. So the bat. Mm-hmm. But uh, bat um, I just it just looks wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to say they did it with German in there somewhere too. Then they call him like Deflater Mouse or something yeah, like that. Fleeter Mouse works. Fleeter Mouse means bat. Right. I mean that's right. great. But uh, bat um, no, it's not. It's not so good. <laughs> it's not so good. I've seen worse. I've seen worse French. And I mean, I've read enough Alpha Flight comics to, to, <laughs> to have my eyes bleed from bad French. But uh, <laughs> in this case, it was just like, hmm, that's not my favorite bit. <laughs> <laughs> so any other thoughts before we move to the the debate portion of the show? No, man, I think we covered it. It was a wild and wacky ride, but it was worth the price of admission. So who fared better? We touch on various topics, the first of which is, we sort of touched on it already, but... How well does this fit each of the stories or atmospheres of these characters? Is this more of a Batman story or is it more of a Sergeant Rock story, seeing as the setting is World War II France? What do you think? Uh, well, it's an odd one. It's more of a Bat story, obviously, in the bookends. Uh, but I think because the setting and the, and the Germans and the tanks, the, the meat of it feels more like a Sergeant Rock setting to me. What do you think? Well, I'm supposed to defend Batman. Well, I... <laughs> Let's just tell you what it what it feels like. I mean, Batman's really prominent. Batman gets all the cool stuff. Sergeant Rock and Easy Company are sort of this. They're part of the setting, but they're not really the heroes of the piece. This round goes to you. I can't argue. I can't argue yeah. at all. And and strangely enough, when they do focus a little time on Sergeant Rock, they spend a good deal of time with uh, Bulldozer and Wildman. And I'm like, goodness gracious, man! If you're gonna have a a bat and rock team up then maybe a little bit more sergeant rock would have been <laughs> yeah well at first i thought oh uh, i thought bulldozer was maybe sergeant rock and then i realized oh no no they just have that big square jaw both of them no yeah i mean you want to give some time to easy company i think that they're part of the sergeant rock concept true but there's so little of them as a whole bulldozer wild man and a little sure shot might be the only two that get mentioned by name or three they get mentioned by name in the yeah company. i think so what about cool moves? <laughs> what is Sergeant Rock's coolest move? All right, well, here's another category that you're going to win. Uh, <laughs> Sergeant Rock doesn't do a lot of cool things. He does some stupid things. Uh, but as far as cool things, the coolest thing he did to me was bonking Wild Man and Bulldozer's head together like they were part of the Three Stooges. Yeah, well, that's his management style. <laughs> uh, apparently, that was about as cool as it got. But I have a suspicion that your cool moment is much cooler. So why don't you tell the people the coolest thing Batman did? Oh, man. Uh, embarrassment of riches. Yes. Uh, in this case. Yes. There were so many. I think the the two main ones are, you know, grab the grenade off the belt, throw it at a, a, a non-coming plane, mm-hmm. which seems much too close <laughs> for, <laughs> for what's happening, and then and blow up that plane with a grenade in flight. Exceptional uh, timing and accuracy. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, that's probably the coolest. Although I really do like Batman under the tank. The the reveal of him 
riding mm. under the tank. That's pretty neat. But you know, just he's disarming people with a single batarang, and I he's stealing bottles with you know from hanging from trees and everything Batman does in this, except I mean, the young Batman. Everything young Batman does is really awesome. Everything that Batman does in the present day, or he's not really Batman, he's Bruce Wayne, you know, lets a Nazi get the jump on him, mm. and he needs to be saved, and it's, you know, from his thoughts, he thinks, oh, I'm cooked. Are you really? Because <laughs> <laughs> your memory of World War II, you were pretty <laughs> pretty damn invincible. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Last I checked, you had some skill sets that could help you with this situation, Batman. <laughs> maybe, maybe you don't want to do anything in front of the curator. I don't know, but uh, no, the curator has <laughs> been knocked out. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So Batman uh, has plenty of cool moves. This is just like, one of the coolest Batman stories ever, probably in terms mm-hmm. of stunts. Grenade in the cockpit while not being Batman is pretty damn cool. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, Sergeant Rock didn't get any great moments. He almost had a cannon float down from the sky onto his head. What about dumb or weird moves? Oh, well, thank God for this category. <laughs> By far, the dumbest thing he did was take his company of men and do a headlong, straight-up, one-on-one attack versus a tank. doesn't really matter how many men you have. That tank's going to just end up mowing you down. doesn't even need to use its major cannon. Those tanks are equipped with some pretty heavy machine guns. They're just going to mow those guys down from the safety of their iron-plated seats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a great infantry move. Uh, not at all. It was a no. terrible decision. Uh, not tactically sound. And uh, uh, shame on you, Sergeant Rock. I do love that panel, though. When when they're rushing through the, the fog, through yes. the, the smoke. The and there's, yeah, and, and there's like sound effects. And obviously there's like gunfire. But there's also like sock. So there are people getting punched out as well. So I like the inference <laughs> of whatever the action is in the smoke. Some of the Easy Company are taking their fists at the Nazi jaws. I like it. <laughs> for Batman, for Batman, it's the disrespect for me that was odd or weird or dumb. Mm-hmm. I think he gives Sergeant Rock and Easy Company you know, a lot of lip, or even in his mind. He's not necessarily disrespectful to their faces, although not he's not great. <laughs> but in his mind, he really underestimates them. Under, underestimates Sergeant Rock's intelligence, mm-hmm. uh, education, or whatever. And we he doesn't know. All these uh, GIs came from various backgrounds, and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's really disrespectful to the people he's been saddled with, and you know, in his mind. And of course, Bulldozer and Wildman later are idiots. Yeah, they don't help the case, but yeah, no, you know, it's odd when you're looking at the two heroes, and maybe you like Sergeant Rock, maybe you like Batman. And that they don't really get along or don't respect one another. That's an issue in a in a team-up book. Yes. Bruce Wayne punched Sergeant Rock in the face at one point. Mm. And then he was like, punch him in the face and I'm going to hit the plunger anyway. Probably could have done that without punching him in the face. but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just, just, you know. just push the plunger. Uh... You know, if the guy wasn't listening to you. And yes, he was ultimately right. Sergeant Rock didn't have all the facts. But that seemed like an extreme maneuver. But hey, mm. I, you know. I guess time was short. Because this is the same character who threw a batarang backhanded, un- un- behind his back, through a window, and actually hit and knocked out a sentry. Yes. So and I don't think he could exactly see when he threw it. He could do that. <laughs> uh, so couldn't you throw a pebble at the <laughs> plunger? Or, th- you know, throw the batarang up and cuts an apple off a tree. <laughs> I don't know. Push the, the box uh, right where that big gun falls, the cannon. Cannon yes. falls on plunger. Yes. That works, right? There you go. 
hundred <laughs> percent. It seems to me that they're just, they're just, there's just plenty of ways to get around. They this. just wanted one famous character to punch another famous character. That's what they wanted. I guess so. I guess so. So it's big of Sergeant Rock to come back at the end and save his ass. Yes. Randomly, but still. Let's talk about that. The friendly farewell, which is a team-up tradition. Is this farewell friendly uh, between them? How do we rate it? Hmm. What's your rating scale here? It's not like Longbox Crusade. where you <laughs> We just make it up from episode to episode. <laughs> No, we uh, basically, I like to put it in terms of who gets the social upper hand, if we're going to call a winner on this. Okay. Very often we just discuss how friendly or not friendly they were and if that's a satisfying ending. The ending was pretty satisfying. Bruce Wayne seemed to have a fair amount of respect for Sergeant Rock's. Sergeant Rock uh, hadn't changed a lot in sort of a most glorious way. He was still the man he's always been, which is like, that's good to know that in his twilight years that he's still that mm. man of that character. So I think the ending represented him well, and I actually think it represented Bruce well, too. So I'd say it's a pretty good ending, but I don't have a lot of these to compare it to. So I'd be interested to see what you have to say. Well, it, it depends on the comic, obviously, because the show covers lots. And whenever it's like the thing in Marvel 2 and 1, it's always an, an unfriendly farewell. Uh, <laughs> okay. See, I guess I'm not up on a lot of these. I've read a fair amount of the um, Marvel team-up. Right. Uh, Spider-Man usually yeah. has a friendly-ish yes. farewell. I didn't um, know that the two-in-ones were disgruntled a lot of times. <laughs> no, no. The thing, it's like, oh, man. But he's kind of surly. But it's also, it's like, yeah, thanks for nothing. <laughs> That's how <laughs> the stories end. With Batman, he's especially Brave and the Bold, well, Brave and the Bold Batman. If you've ever seen the cartoon series... It's a lot like that, even though right, like the yeah. Neil Adams art is obviously more serious. The stories are wacky, and I, I think the cartoon series captures the spirit. A lot more comedy, but it captures the same spirit as the Brave and the Bold series, where anything can happen. And Batman is super friendly, walking around in the daylight on the street and signing autographs, and that's Bob Haney's Batman. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, so even though like Neil Adams' art is very much... In contrast to that, because it is realistic illustration kind of stuff. Still, it's interesting. Uh, in this case, I think, well, I think it shows that Bruce Wayne matured. I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. there's been 25 years of compressed, uncompressed time. <laughs> we don't know how long it's been, but, you know, he was a young Batman and now he's a, a mature Batman. And mature Batman respects Sergeant Rock or realizes that maybe... Uh, his young self was brash and gung-ho and a little dumb. And now I think there's a, a clearer perspective. We, they don't dwell on that, but the fact that Sergeant Rock saves the day and that Batman doesn't bristle at that and doesn't, it's not like his thought is, well, I, I was fine. I didn't need this. So I feel that there's respect at the end between mm -hmm. the characters. Mm -hmm. And from Sergeant Rock as well. So he does this and walks away, basically. It's like, <laughs> I just saw this villain. I wanted closure on that story for myself. Uh, and make sure he doesn't do anything bad and just capture him. To, to his knowledge, dude wasn't going to meet up with 007. Right. So he's just following him. You know, he's the hero of his own story, finally. Which is not what happens, you know, in the most of the comic. But at the end there, Sergeant Rock is the hero of his own story. He takes it upon himself to do this. And Batman might not have been present. Indeed, for him, right. he never sees Batman. You know, either in the past or in the present. He's never had to team up with Batman yet. That's true. He's only teamed up with Bruce Wayne. Or the right. Jack Pimpernel. Jack Pimpernel. Yeah. <laughs> Pimpernel slash Pierre Leduc slash 007. <laughs> Baton. 
No, not even Batum. So he doesn't know that Batman was there. That he always played very coy throughout the story, where he did never actually interact when Batman is in the costume. Nor does anyone in Easy Company, right? That's so it right. doesn't it doesn't break the world, so to speak. <laughs> it's still a World War II story. It just happens that you know uh, Bruce Wayne is OSS, essentially. That, yeah, yeah. That's how right. it works. And there will be three more Sergeant Rock team ups in Brave and the Bold. Bob Haney will reuse this older, contemporary Sergeant Rock in at least some of those stories. I don't quite remember what happens in each of them. Uh, I think I've only read the first two. For comics readers, they don't really know what happened to Sergeant Rock. It's kept as a mystery. Did he die in World War II? Uh, and th- there have been different legends, different stories told where mm-hmm. it depends. The last bullet. For Bob Haney, uh, on Earth B, Sergeant Rock survives the war stays in the armed forces becomes you know a distinguished gentleman let's say so he he's still he still he has a lot of vitality yet mm-hmm. in in later stories but he's a contemporary 1960s 1970s sergeant rock who sometimes teams up with batman and he's usually has like a role either at the pentagon or you know he's still involved I but see. um this is not a sergeant rock who died tragically in the war or sacrificed his life or anything like that. That part confused me a little bit because I had always heard that Sergeant Rock was killed by the last bullet of World War II, but yet here he was in the yeah. future, but I was like, whatever, Bob Haney, I'm along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the last bullet story is is from later, so they decided that Bob Haney's story did not happen. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll take a break for a couple of promos, and then uh, we'll be back with our bonus team-ups. Coming soon from Amalgam Comics. His parents were killed by Nazis, and he means to take revenge on them all by enlisting and getting himself shipped to the European theater. In this month's Sergeant Wayne and Bat Company number 12, Wayne, Babs Dozer, Wild Wing, and the Ice Cream Robin finally confront the Joking Major, the Third Reich's evilest villain. Don't miss Our Army at War in every issue of Sergeant Wayne and Bat Company. Hey, Jared, I have a question. What's up? Well, I've been a part of the Longbox Crusade for about a year and a half now. Yeah? Well, that's not a question, man. I know. I'm getting to it. That was called Build Up. Like I was saying, I've been with the Longbox Crusade, and I have gone out and represented the show faithfully. That's still not a question. I'm still building up. I was wondering, could I be a part of the official promo? There's this great promo for the podcast that airs across podcast land, and it has Pat Sampson, the founder of the show, you, the art cell artist, and your brother Jason, a.k.a. Weasel Skull. But it doesn't have me, Delvin Williams. The Dark Web! Could you ask the guys if they would let me be a part of the promotion, since you were the one who invited me onto the show? Well, not to be a Mr. Quick to correct, but that was at least two questions. Still, I guess I'll ask. Let me go talk to the guys, and you stay here. Okay, great. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, Jared? What's up, Jared? I have a question. Delvin's been with us for like a year and a half. That's not a question. Uh, yeah, I know. It's called Build Up. Hey, can we finally include him on the promo? It's the least we can do. He doesn't know that we're getting paid yet. And he never will. I mean, do we need him? After all, we already have the Longbox Crusade. And I provide awesome synopsis and insight on Crusader Chronicles. And I host Saturday Matinee Theater and also provide these nuts jokes. Hey, I do that. Me too. So we're fine as it is. What does Delvin do? We should just let him go. 
Wait, he hosts Transformers Chronicles. You should know that, Pat. You're on that show. So what do you say? Can we keep him? <sighs> Fine. Let's do it. Let's do it live. We could have done this with him in the room. It would have made more sense. Why is he outside? I think we were doing a bit. Okay, let's do this. The Longbox Crusade Podcast Network is the place to be if you like deep dives in the comics of yesteryear with the Longbox Crusade. Chronological reading journals with Crusader Chronicles, indexing forgotten TV shows, films, and serials with Saturday Matinee Theater, pitting two randomly selected action films against one another, an action film face-off, cataloging the Marvel run of the Transformers comic with Transformers Chronicles, and whatever else the demented minds of Pat, Jared, Jason, and Delvin can come up with. If that sounds like it might be for you, be sure to subscribe to The Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much all reputable podcast feeds. Or check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com, where we continue our quest to... And we're back! Our final feature, the bonus team-up, in which each of us proposes a perfect, in this case, Sergeant Rock team-up. So what do you got, Jared? All right, I used up my movie guy voice earlier. My throat's getting scratchy, so you're not going to need a cool voice this time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But here we go. Picture this. Sergeant Rock and Easy Company, they're having a rough day. They found themselves surrounded by the German army. They've made a pretty good defensive position in the dilapidated ruins of an old castle. But the ammo is running low, and the German numbers are increasing. Suddenly, a man bursts into the castle. But he doesn't come from outside. He comes from the bowels of the castle, and he's in a hurry to leave. He's been exploring a local legend, and the legend is real. The castle? Dracula's. The explorer? Indiana Jones. Can Dr. Jones and Sergeant Rock find a way to escape the vampires within the castle walls and the Nazis outside? What do you think? I think they can. Yeah. (laughs) Would you read that? I'd read that. So that's like a three-way. Yeah. Because Dracula, (laughs) we did a Zorro versus Dracula uh, with Ryan Daly on the show in like the first season. Oh, all right. I like the way he thinks. Yeah, and a versus, to me, when, when you're crossing through franchises like that, a versus is still a team up. It's just a hero and villain team up. So here you've got your Dracula as the villain. Mm -hmm. So it's a three-way Dracula, Indiana Jones, Sergeant Rock. So it's an older Indiana Jones once the war started. Well, it's it's World War II, just like he was in uh, in Last Crusade. He was smack dab in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that works. Indiana Jones brings in the supernatural element because those artifacts have a supernatural component. So there's magic in his world, and yet it's also a Nazi fest. I use the Nazis as the link there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The catalyst is the Nazis. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, of course, you want Indiana Jones to to kill Dracula, but I'd so love it if it was The Rock doing it. Oh, man. Either way, man. First of all, (laughs) by the way, you call him Dr. Jones. I'm sorry. (laughs) The disrespect. (laughs) I worked at a university for too long to have that kind of respect for professors. (laughs) Uh, I was just quoting Short Round. Yeah, yeah. I I would probably leave Short Round out of this story, by the way. But (laughs) Yeah, no, he's from earlier. He's from earlier. Short Round would be like Tall Round by that point. (laughs) That's right. Either way, man, just a great team up of, you know, I don't care who puts the final stake in the heart. You know, maybe Rock holds him down and Indy does the stake or vice versa. I don't care. I just want to see it happen, man. What about members of Easy Company getting turned into vampires? Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. I was thinking about that, too. Maybe maybe Dracula's turning them. Maybe he's turning some of the Nazis outside, so he's he got all kinds oh, of yeah. vampires. But then, you know, like they do in a lot of movies, you kill the head vampire, and the ones he's turned will turn back to normal. You get Easy Company back, and then you just kill regular Nazis. Although killing vampire Nazis has a certain appeal to it. I mean, 
<laughs> that seems natural. You, you got to do that one, especially if it's in comic book form. I, I think you know comics are perfect for that kind of high concept, very visual moments. That works better than in a movie. Although I'd totally watch that movie too. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> For me, I think it was the second time I went to the Fast and Furious franchise for one of these. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But uh, I was think, of course, the joke is, you know, The Rock and Sergeant Rock. So right, right. Fast and Furious presents Sergeant Rock and Hobbs. So a loopy Elseworlds in which the Fast and Furious stories take place in the 40s. And that puts Hobbs, uh, played by Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, or his grandpappy. If you like, uh, you know, it could be a prequel, a sort of historical prequel. Yeah. Uh, so crazy vehicle action. Hobbs joins Easy Company, starts off pretty normally, just a guy to drive a Jeep kind of thing. But he's soon commandeering tanks and war wheels and whatever else the DC Universe has uh, to drive, <laughs> allowing Sergeant Rock to complete his mission, basically, which is you know, the important part. I think Sergeant Rock, though it is grounded, his stories can allow for a little fancy a little high octane action. Infantry charging tanks. Yes. Yes, obviously. <laughs> there is room for that. So uh that would be my idea for a team up. Now, full disclosure, mm-hmm. never once seen a Fast and Furious movie in my life. But that's, biz- that's almost bizarre. But I love the concept of doing that whole, you know, I know what the universe is essentially about. I've got enough pop culture awareness to, to know that. It's about cars. Uh, it's about family. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, a- <laughs> it's about family and cars and fast cars. Taking that whole concept, though, into World War II Europe and using the vehicles found there to do, like, incredibly cool vehicle stunts and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm on board, dude. I'd watch your movie. A movie or comic. Uh, you know, way. again. Yeah, way. Again. Or audio play. It doesn't matter. <laughs> radio play. <laughs> Maybe the stunts don't look as cool to radio play. But, well, you know, whatever. The radio play is just just engines revving. <laughs> That's all it is. And then some guy's like, oh, look, he totally did a flip. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Big Finish won't be jumping on those quite yet. <laughs> Well, this is the, that's the show. Uh, you know, <laughs> I feel like thanks, I let you down. <laughs> no, no. Thanks for teaming up with me, Jared. Uh, you know, remind people where they can find you. Oh my goodness, you can find me in lots of different places. But your best bet is to check out Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Stop by and say hi to me. If you're interested in hearing me run my mouth about comics and movies and things like that, check out Longbox Crusade. We got a bunch of different shows on there on that whole network. Or you can go over to on Her Majesty's Secret podcast. On that network, I do a James Bond show with basically my long box crusade friends called Rookie Agents. So Bond, action movies, comics, long box crusade, Honor Magic Secret podcast. That's the summary. Pretty much. And, uh, <laughs> and people can get uh, a hold of, you know, you, you do commissions and. Yes. Yes. The yard sale artist is a thing. It's not just. A moniker. Not just a moniker. I paint on yard sale found items. And I draw and I do sketch covers. I mean, I do the whole gamut of stuff, but my my hook is painting on yard sale found items with yard sale found items. Even my paints, my brushes, everything comes from yard sales. So uh, that's kind of my thing. But stop by and check out the art. You're dropping this in just a few days, Memorial Day. And so by then, I can go ahead and say, hey, come find me at Heroes Con, which is Father's Day weekend in June in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'll be there. Stop by my table and say hi. Maybe buy something. You don't have to, but at least say hi. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Uh, A reminder that we do enjoy reading your comments as well. And the best place for that is fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also visit the Fire and Water Podcast Network Facebook page or follow us on Twitter. We are FW Podcasts. So see you next time for another amazing superhero team up, because after all, justice is a team effort. 
Our trip to the Eiffel Tower may have to wait, Sergeant Rock. Any chance of calling in an airstrike? Negative, Batman. But we're not gonna need it. The sweetest fighting machine in this man's army. G.I. Robot.